Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this day for sending your Son, Lord, to not only show us the way, but to also feed us. Lord, that he provides for our needs of both body and of soul. So, Lord, we would ask this day that you break your word small, fit for our consumption. In your name we pray this. Amen. The family that I married into has high expectations for what they demand for fish and chips. (laughs) They don't eat catfish. They live in Missouri. They don't eat lake trout. They don't eat bass. If it doesn't come out of salt water, it doesn't have the same kind of appeal. And I have to say, I understand why. But in that, they have become somewhat of a connoisseur of fish and chips, and it is a great thing to be a part of. And so we have this thing, this tradition, that wherever we go, we try and find the best fish and chips that we can get our hands on. So, as a side note, I would love to hear where yours are. (laughs) But in that, I love our text from the gospel lesson today because we see this presented in such a fashion that Jesus calls them in from fishing and provides them a meal with fish and chips. He gives them bread instead of potatoes, but it's about as close as they're going to get in the day. When we look at our three readings, it's not easy to choose which one we might preach from that I might feel drawn towards. I love the Apostle Paul and his conversion story. Revelation is always exciting. But there's something unique about what happens in our gospel text today. Following Christ disrupts how we approach everything else. It turns our worldview on end, it upsets our experience, and it challenges everything that we think we know. In our first reading, the Apostle Paul, as Saul, was content to be a zealous persecutor of the faith. And as a point of fact, he didn't even understand what it meant. He didn't know who Jesus actually was and only went by the testimony of others. This was a guy who had blood on his hands. He was complicit in the murderous stoning of Stephen the martyr. And it says that he was set out to do something of the same in Damascus. And yet God takes him and blinds him by the light and turns his life upside down to the point that it says that he confounded the Jews there 
they did not recognize who he was. For the disciples in our gospel text, their life has been upended. And this is a common theme in their relationship with one another. It begins as Jesus finds them fishing or doing their daily labor and calls them out of that task and says, come and follow me. And they leave their nets. They leave their father in the boat. They walk away from whatever they are doing to follow Jesus. See, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. In this way. And it says that these guys go out fishing. You see, being on the water brought them peace and familiarity. It drew them home. That water ran within their veins. It was part of who they are. It was what allowed them a sense of peace in an otherwise turbulent situation. The Sea of Tiberias is also known as the Sea of Galilee. Tiberias is a town that rests on the coast of the Sea of Galilee, and there are so many events that take place throughout the narrative of the Gospels. Jesus walks on water across the Sea of Galilee. He calms the storm, Sea of Galilee. Time and time again, it comes back to this same place. And so now, when they are feeling restless because they have now watched Jesus die, they have seen Him in His resurrection. And Peter says, I'm going fishing. And they say, we're coming too. But there is always a frustration with fishing without ever catching anything. I used to hate fishing as a kid. I didn't have the patience. And the one time that I did catch a fish, my fishing line had gone all the way up and over a tree branch and had dangled long enough on the top of the water that there wasn't a hope or a prayer that it was coming back over the branch. We are not patient people. We don't like to wait. And so we fall back on familiar practices and we go back to the same old fishing holes that we know we've had success in before. And so the same thing happens in ministry. We get uncomfortable. We get too comfortable and we fall back into old practices and we go back to the same fishing holes time and time again. That's all we know. But what worked then may not work the same now. Fishing was core to their identity, both as professionals and as disciples of Jesus. 
He sees them mending their nets and he tells them, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. There is a similar account to our gospel text today that takes place in Luke chapter 5. Whereas he's calling them to follow, he does something similar where he says, cast your nets over on that side and they have to call in other boats to draw the fish to shore. We all have places that ground us, that give us a home, and that promise more than just a meal that leaves us with a full belly. For these guys, they needed something that would ground them, that would grant them something familiar, something that they could hold fast to, and so they go back to the water, and then, guess what? They toil for nothing all night long until this guy stands on the shore and says, Hey, have you caught anything? And there's nothing more frustrating than someone asking if you've caught anything when you know you haven't. And you're going, no. And then they say, well, just throw it on the right side of the boat. And see, we think of it in terms of right and left. But the way that our mind works is that we could just as easily say, well, they were casting it on the wrong side. And so he's telling them to cast it on the right side instead. One of the hardest things is when we have to recognize and admit that you and I and we as a body have no idea what we're doing. And that more than that, we need help. That we are completely dependent upon one another and ultimately upon God. That we cannot do this ourselves. So when your life is upended and it's turned upside down and you retreat feeling worn and worried and you wonder how and when things will change. And God says, cast your net on the other side of the boat. Cast it on the right side this time instead of the left. See, what's fascinating about this change that he calls them to is that it's so close to where they already are. Same boat, same water, same net, different side, different success, different results. But we tend to think of the way that we need to change far off. We tend to think of it in terms of these monumental shifts. 
In a recent season in history of the church, there was a trend where churches would look around and they would see coffee shops popping up all around them in the community and they would think, that's it. If we build it, they will come. And so churches would build coffee shops into their churches thinking, well, now we've given them what we call a third space to spend their time. Right? Your first space is your home, your second space is your work, and your third space is where you spend the rest of your time. And they thought if we could just crack this code and we could build the coffee shop in the church, then they're through the doors and then they're here and we've got them hooked. We've cast the net on the left side of the boat and we've drawn them in. And when that didn't work, they kind of looked around and went, well, maybe we should just do a coffee shop takeover. And so they would kind of coordinate these things where they would have a whole bunch of people just like go into these coffee shops because that's where the people are already. Great in theory, terrible in practice. Because what happened then is that all those people that called that space home were displaced to someplace else. So I say that to say this. Maybe we've looked at it all wrong. Maybe we've spent so much time trying to cast our net on the opposite side of the boat that we have stopped seeing exactly where he has placed us. That we have opportunities all around. That we don't have to go We don't have to change our traffic pattern. We just have to be who we are in the gospel and actually do life together. That means that you have really good days together and then you have really bad days together. And in those times when it's good, you give glory to God. And when they're not then you show grace as God pours it forth when you don't deserve it. They had this practice where they would have a spotter stand on the shore. A hundred yards out was where the boat was. And the spotter would stand on the shore and watch where the shoals of fish were moving in the water and then tell the boat where to cast the net. And so this guy's standing on the shore and he acts as the spotter and he says, no, 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 over there. And it's not like Jesus goes, you're in the wrong water. You need to go 300 yards in the other direction. He's like, no, 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 just move it over to the other side of the boat. Drop it off the right side. Continuing to cast the net where we think the fish should be sets limits on where we are willing to go. And so if the well has begun to run dry and the fishing hole has been spent, then we start looking at our own methodology and our mission and how it serves and is intended to attract. 
See, these guys don't have it all figured out. Peter jumps out of the boat and abandons his buddies, leaves them to do the hard work of rowing to shore. And then there is a charcoal fire built with the intentionality of cooking something. And Jesus says, come and have breakfast. Come and eat. And by this point, they no longer question if it's really him. They know. For the first time in the resurrection narrative, there is no confusion. There is no mistaking. It's not peace be with you. It's come and eat. And they know exactly who he is. See, Christ is the key. Christ is the key that we have been waiting for, and He is the only reason that anything makes sense. So that when He says, cast the net on the right side, or He says, come and follow Me, or even today, come and eat, He's the only reason that any of this actually makes sense. So that God always gets the glory, now and forevermore. Amen.